business rock stars. Kelly Kennedy here. And today I wanted to introduce you to my business, Capital Business Development, where we don't just see businesses. We see your potential to change the world. We see your passion, your dedication, and drive to do something extraordinary. And we're here to help you bring that vision to life. At Capital Business Development, we understand that behind every business is a visionary, someone with the determination to make a difference. Whether you're a startup with a big idea or an established company aiming to expand your impact, we're here to support you every step of the way. Our mission goes beyond traditional business development. We're committed to nurturing your dreams and empowering you to achieve greatness. From strategic planning and networking to hands-on support and personalized coaching, we provide the tools and guidance you need to succeed. So if you're ready to transform your vision into reality, look no further than Capital Business Development. Visit us today at www.capitalbd.ca to learn more about how we can help you unleash your potential to change the world. Your dreams matter. Let's make them happen together. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to episode 24 of the Business Development Podcast. On today's episode, we have an amazing guest, Dale Schaub. He is the lead entrepreneurial consultant with the Nate Maji Center. He is an entrepreneur. He's got a sales and business development background. He hosts Let's Do Coffee podcast, and he inspires the next generation of entrepreneur students at Nate. It's a pleasure to have him on with us today. Stay tuned. The great Mark Cuban once said, business happens over years and years. Value is measured in the total upside of a business relationship, not by how much you squeezed out in any one deal. And we couldn't agree more. This is the Business Development Podcast. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And broadcasting to the world. You'll get expert business development advice, tips and experiences, and you'll hear interviews with business owners, CEOs, and business development reps. You'll get actionable advice on how to grow business. Brought to you by Capital Business Development, capitalbd.ca. Let's do it. Welcome to the Business Development Podcast. And now your expert host, Kelly Kennedy. Hello, welcome to the Business Development Podcast. You are listening to episode 24 today, and today we have an excellent guest episode. I am so thankful to be joined today by Dale Schaub. I've been trying to get Dale on for a very long time. He's an incredibly busy man, and I'm so thankful to have him today. Dale has been such a help, not only in the start of, uh, of Capital Business Development, because I actually met with Dale you know, years ago at this point, actually, when you were kind of still doing one-punch consulting. And we were kind of chatting back and forth about what your experience is like. I thought there might be some synergies between our companies at that time. But at that time, I was very new. And um, yeah, you just made an excellent connection, Dale. And uh, it's really great to have you on the show today. Dale Schaub helps run Nate's post-secondary business incubator at the Maji Center as the lead entrepreneurship consultant. Dale is an early stage business startup specialist with a broad range of experience working with various companies and industries. At Nate, he works with students to help them start and grow a business through individual mentorship and develops and runs various entrepreneurship programs. As a business consultant, Dale has worked with hundreds of clients, worked on a wide variety of companies, and has given presentations to audiences over 300 people. To date, two of his students' companies have reached a valuation of over a million dollars. 
Dale is a marketing graduate from Nate, the same school that he now inspires the next generation of entrepreneurs and has worked over 15 years in sales and marketing, as well as launched his own successful business consulting firm in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Dale is also a podcast host of Let's Do Coffee, which has accomplished 61 successful episodes to date. Dale, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you today? Awesome, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you, man. I've been wanting to have you for a while. You know that. I, I know how busy you've been, and I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, have this with me. Uh, you, you make it sound like I'm a busy guy, but, but in truth, I'm only um, uh, busy some parts of the year being associated with post-secondary. You can imagine, uh, yeah, my September till March is, is usually pretty hopping. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't imagine because I haven't spent any time in the educational side. However, um, my fiance works with Nate as well in the ILM department. She runs all of the new product development. So totally, totally get it. She's swamped most of the time. So I imagine you're under the same boat. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and before anybody asks, I am not off in the summers. We're just shifting gears at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me, Dale. What, what's, what's new? What's going on with you? Oh, my gosh. Um, where do I even begin? So yeah, um, I am actively working with uh, a cohort of students. Um, so so tr- traditionally, they they a new group of students gets involved with me in September, and then uh, I work with them in a formal program that I built uh, to help them go from an idea all the way to launching their business. And uh, that that program just wrapped at, at the end of March. Students are actively working on their final exams right now. So. This gives me a slight breather as I as I try to get get caught up on all the stuff that I've kind of let fall by the wayside, uh, and then yeah, uh, we're we're I'm just actively getting the students right now into the next step of programming. So so the program goes from idea to uh, to a launch for some of them, but for the more technological, the more advanced, uh, heavier business ideas, uh, they need further development. And so a lot of their stuff gets to a, a minimum viable product or a basic version of their product or service. And then now we just need to take them to the next level and scale up. Uh, and so I'm really just kind of getting them more involved into that kind of what I call summer programming. Oh, I, you know what, I am so inspired by what you you and Colin Christensen, I, you know, I mean, you introduced me to Colin Christensen, which is really cool. I think everybody listening to this podcast has heard that episode at this point and absolutely loves it. And you know, I mean, you and him are so alike in so many ways, you know, you're entrepreneurs, you mentor, essentially, the future of entrepreneurs, you inspire a generation of people, and you get to do this as a job. And it's so flipping cool, Dale, I, I am inspired. And I do hope I feel like at some point in my life, in my business career that I get to do something similar because I just I see that as being such a rewarding opportunity. Uh, you know, thanks. I honestly I just feel so so blessed to to be able to do this type of stuff. Like uh I, I'm assuming most of the audience for this are going to be folks in the sales industry. Uh I was you uh five years ago. And so you know if you ever want to make a pivot into into another industry, uh, you know, I, I did manage to make it happen. And, and maybe there's a template there for you as well. Uh, and, you know, I, I just wanted to make that switch out of sales uh, after 15 years of doing it. And honestly, like, uh, I love getting out of bed every every single day, getting to work and help people fulfill their dreams. So can't go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, okay, so I'm so thankful to have you on the show specifically, because Dale, you have such a wide variety of experience, the experience that you have is so broad that we could talk about a multitude of subjects today, and we are going to, by the way, that are going to help entrepreneurs, business development people, you name it, because 
really a lot of these business development skills, these entrepreneurship skills, they all start at the beginning. They all start at a foundation. Can you take me back to the beginning of your career, of, of your sales career? Because you know, you're like me, you've been around in, in sales and marketing and business development for 15 years, same as me. And, um, you know, in the beginning, what what got you into sales and business development? And then maybe what are some of the key takeaways that you learned along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I, you know, I guess I would say it all started at at Nate. Uh, I knew I wanted to be in business. Uh, the, the old joke was people people used to ask me when I was a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, and my answer was a millionaire. Um, so still <laughs> life goals, but uh, I, and so. When they press further, a couple of them all thought that was a great idea. Press further, uh, and somebody at that point suggested business would be one of the ways to get into it. And so I ended up taking business at Nate. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, first year at Nate's general business, second year you get to pick and choose which which direction you want to go in. Uh, and I ended up choosing marketing, just absolutely fell in love with it. Wanted to be a marketer, wanted to get into advertising. But of course, being in Edmonton, there isn't a whole lot of agencies, especially not 25 years ago or so yeah. when I went to school. And so um, the the easiest pathway to get into it at that point was, was in sales. And I was always a little bit of an outgoing kid. Um, you know, big family. I was attributed to the big family, and it was a, meaning that I can I can speak to strangers and talk talk loudly and, and enthusiastically. So, uh, yeah, I ended up getting the only job that I that I could, which was sliding into sales in those early days, and um, yeah, just uh, learned a lot from that. Um, yeah, so um, my very first gig is, was in Windows Window Renovations, uh, where I was doing the inside sales. Marketing. I got lured in because it was like a marketing advertises a bit of a marketing and some inside sales, but it was more like a sales support style role. Yeah, did a few presentations for anybody who kind of walked in the door and said, "You know what? I'm not terrible at this." Uh, and when that job ended, uh, I ended up going over to Leon's Furniture, and nice. that's where I got my first real, real full commission, full sales job. Uh, and yeah, lots and lots of lessons learned there. Oh, man, it actually takes me back to the beginning of my career. You know, we all start somewhere, right? I uh, I grew up in Spruce Grove, Alberta, Canada. You know, it's just outside of Edmonton, Alberta. At the time that I grew up here, it was much, much smaller than it is today. Today, it's like doubled or tripled in size. But back then, it was a pretty small place. And um, locally, we had the local car dealership was Grove Dodge. And when I was in high school, I wanted to work there so bad. And I went, I went over there and I got a job on the lot. And basically from like 17 to 19, I pretty much worked on the car lot. But I knew every single one of those cars inside and out. I knew every feature because I was in them every single day, day in, day out. And uh, I think it was when I turned 19, I reached out and said, look, you know, like I want to move up in this place. How do I go about doing that? Well, you, you should probably get into the car sales side. And this is like, keep in mind, this is 2007. Okay, so this is like right before the economic downturn. But they said, sorry, Kelly, we won't hire you without some type of sales experience. So at the time, I went into Edmonton, and I got a job at Visions Electronics, not so different nice. from you at Leon's. <laughs> and I sold like TVs and electronics equipment. And that really cut my teeth in sales in that. But that was kind of what got me through the door. Eventually, I did go back. I think it was about a year later, I went back to Grove Dodge, said, Hey, I've got my sales experience, give me the job they did. 
And uh, yeah, made some pretty fat money for about three months and 2008 hit. And that was the end of my car sales career, which frankly, on the flip side of things, I'm thankful for because, you know, car sales isn't exactly the greatest sales job on planet Earth. There's a lot of things there that are questionable that kind of rubbed against the grain of who Kelly Kennedy is. So um, but I still owe them. Uh, essentially, I owe them my sales career because I wouldn't have went into sales without that opportunity of being being available. And the rest is history. You know, I did that. I went to uh, I worked at Gear Center in Edmonton for a while. Sold a lot of auto parts. Sold a lot of like differentials and stuff. And uh, me too. Was, me too. I worked <laughs> with those guys too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worked at Gear Center for like probably two two or three years. Kind of did my stints up in Fort Fort McMurray. Did my time up there. Um, learned oil and gas. That was kind of my first foray into oil and gas. But it wasn't long after that, that my sister kind of came in and was like, Kelly, what are you doing with your life? You should go to school for something. And at the time, I'm like, well, what the heck would I go to school for? Like, I guess business, because I don't know what else I'd go to school for. Like, that was literally what the thinking in my head. But yeah, went to business school, came out, got a job at uh, Angrity Inspection in the city and helped found and, and build that company. And yeah, here we are today. I I owe yeah. I owe it all to that early beginnings at uh, Grove Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I learned so much from from Leon's, um, just because like I was, you know, it was kind of a revelation for me just in terms of like a sales experience because there were good salespeople, there were bad salespeople, and it was completely random drawn. So unless you were literally thinking that that uh, you were unlucky in terms of the clients that you got at a certain point you had to recognize that there were people literally making twice as much money as me doing the exact same job yep and, and that really like that was a big revelation for me saying okay wow there's a huge difference in the way that they're doing it or I'm doing it or, and I don't you know and I really need to figure out that puzzle and so yeah there were there were a, it was a huge huge learning curve even like the salespeople, individual salespeople with totally different techniques and skills were approaching the exact same job, getting similar results, but being 100% totally different people. Uh, you know, and, and everybody really has to find their own pathway in sales, I thought. Yeah, well, you know, let's take it, let's take it back to my time at Visions, because I had relatively the same experience as you where you would see some of these salespeople just crushing it day in, day out. They just they knew how to make all the money. They knew exactly what to say, what to do. But you know what it really came to is they were the ones who were getting out there and approaching every single person who came in that door. They weren't waiting around. They weren't waiting for these like they were they were hungry. I think that's an easy way to put it. These salespeople were bloody hungry. And I, you know, it's funny now because I hate, I hate hungry salespeople when I'm the guy on the other side, just like, I know what you're doing. You're great at this, but like, I just want to chill and walk around the store and make my own choices. But it's like, I remember watching them, Dale, and they were, they were sharks. I think that's like an easy way to put it. They were sharks, sure. but it made them incredibly successful. And I talk about it a lot in the podcast today that you need to go for what you want. You need to ask for your meetings. You need to ask for anything you want, because if you're not willing to go for it and ask for it, nobody's going to give it to you. And, and you know what? One of my bigger revelations was uh, I went in being the nice guy. Oh, you know, don't want to be too pushy. Like, like that perception. <laughs> yeah. I want to sell yeah. to somebody the way I want to be sold to. And what absolutely rocked my world was when those pushy salespeople push and they push and they push and occasionally they'd lose some folks, but those folks would always come back to them. And I'm like, I'm stunned by this. Like here are these folks who are getting pushed on and, and it doesn't make any sense to me and they're getting asked for when they came back. And meanwhile, I was the opposite. I was letting them go easily 
And then they were, they were coming back and they weren't dealing with me. They weren't connected to me. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, you know, like being that, that nice guy isn't, isn't going to close the sales. It isn't going to, you know, help pay for my condo fees. It, you know, it, it, um, and so that's when I really started to kind of clamp down a little bit more and started trying to grill them, not let them go without a fight. Um, and some people are better at it than others. Uh, me, not so much, but it was something that I was actively working on, on trying to do better when I was there. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think you're right, right? It's like, in all fairness, though, you have to in that type of sales atmosphere, like, you know, if you've listened to my show much, or I think you know me pretty well, I, I have a relationship based company, right? Like we really yeah. focus on capital business development on building relationships. What those pushy people were able to do that maybe me and you struggled a little bit with where they were able to create enough of a relationship in that 15 minute interaction, that even if it wasn't great, they still built a relationship, it was enough that these people would come back and give them another opportunity to sell them. And I think so much of business is about that. It's like, how do you how do you in a in a short period of time, you know, in, in the case of business development over a longer period of time, but in the case of like sales, a short period of time, create enough of a rapport, enough of a trust, uh, enough trust with that person that they are going to give you a shot. They're going to say, you know what, this guy seems okay, we're going to give him this opportunity to sell me this product or service, right? And um, that's a skill. That is a skill. And let, like Dale said, it takes time to refine. And when you walk in and watch these people, sometimes it doesn't look like they're doing anything. But the reality is they've honed that skill over the period of months, years, and who knows how long, maybe decades. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, what's what's understated in the world of sales too, is that there are different types of sales, right? There's different types of salesmen. That kind of person who goes and does extremely well in a retail environment where, where it's a hard closing environment, they, you know, and they then transition into something, you know, like more of a account management style role where it's yeah. where long-term relationships matter more. Uh, and there are going to be different sales and there are going to be sales that are suited for different types of salespeople. And uh, that was something that, that, that I learned, like, you know, retail, whew, probably not for Dale. It's not, I'm not pushing <laughs> yeah. enough. I'm not, you know, like, you know, and I, I just, I can't push past those objections at the same level uh, that, that others can. Uh, and maybe it was just my lack of experience. Um, but, you know, more relationship sales were, were something that, that, that were something I was more successful at later. On. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to touch on that too, because, you know, I, mean, I try to educate people all the time that business development and account management are two different things. And a lot of companies are trying to dual purpose the role, right? They're trying to say like, hey, yeah, my business development person, he can also manage all these accounts. The problem with that is if your business development person isn't out there hammering for new business for your company, creating new relationships and bringing them through the pipeline into an account management stage, you at some point are going to struggle because if he's spending, let's say, 70 to 80% of his time doing account management, which is frankly what it takes, it takes that much time to manage accounts properly. But he's only spending 20% of his time or 30% of his time on the new business development, your pipeline, the, the amount of opportunities you have is going to dry up and you're going to blame him. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is not his fault. It's your fault for making him do account management and business development. Those need to be two separate positions within your company to be done effectively and efficiently. Absolutely. Yeah. What's um, 
like what has been your experience Dale? like i know that you've probably been thrown into that you know i mean i i know you pretty well if you've spent 15 years in business development sales you've probably done some account management too did you find that in the organizations that you were working with at that time that was kind of the expectation was that not only did you handle all new sales and new business development but you managed the accounts as well yeah it's uh you know when you when you work for a smaller organization uh those you know it's it's becomes quite impossible to to differentiate right you end up being you know the the inside guy the technical guy the account manager guy the guy who's going out there uh, hunting for new sales and heck you even get your feet wet in in marketing yep um you know and and so it it is what it is right like it's uh, you you have to kind of roll with the punches and i've always liked to think of myself as a bit of a utility guy now i'm way more than ever because i i literally help people right across the spectrum when it comes to early stage entrepreneurship, right? Like I need to know how to do financing. I need to know how to do basic accounting, uh, marketing sales, obviously, but you know, like everything, yeah. everything under the sun. So, um, I I'm, I'm less opposed to, to that diversity, but I do think that, that what is rare is, is folks knowing what they're getting into when they go, when they join an organization that they need to know, Hey, you, you're going to have to, you know, we're, we're going to need you to be flexible because we're new and, and we need somebody who's going to be able to help out in a lot of different areas. Yeah, absolutely. I think, okay, I, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I think what I'm getting at is, is I totally understand what you're saying. And I think I'm speaking to a lot of newer entrepreneurs who are also trying to start their own businesses. They're doing business development. Like, I totally get it. I'm with you. I've done those things. Dale's done those things. We're with you. We're on your side. What I'm saying is the long-term goal needs to be to separate those things. Why? Because it's mm-hmm. going to be more effective for your business, Right. Um, I get it. In the beginning, you're running like a chicken with your head cut off. You got a thousand different things, especially as a new entrepreneur, new business owner. You got a lot of things on your mind. But what I'm saying is, is that if you are spread too thin in anything, things are going to suffer. And oh, yeah. you know, if if it's your business development suffering, what that typically means is, yeah, you might have five or six great clients that you utilize all the time. But if for whatever reason, they can't support you anymore, it's going to take you a lot longer to find new clients than if you would spend a little bit more time on that new business development on a consistent basis. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I describe entrepreneurship this way. And I think sales in a lot of ways is it as well. Uh, entrepreneurship is like driving, fixing and maintaining a car all at the same time. Uh, you know, it's it, you're if you do, you know, if you don't time things right, or you don't do this thing at the expense of the other thing, uh, you know, that car is going to break down or get you into an accident. And uh, yeah, it's it's really just this delicate balancing act of making sure all your priorities are being hit. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what else I want to touch on so much about what you just said, you know, timing, timing, okay. Mm. As a new entrepreneur, things are going to come your way. Opportunities are going to come your way. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready and you need to be ready to say yes, because they don't come your way every day. And you know what's made me successful, Dale, in my life is recognizing an opportunity and taking advantage of everyone that I can. Um, It's not enough to just have opportunity. You also have to act on that opportunity, right? Things can come your way. But if you are if you're saying no, or I'm too busy, or I can't do this right now, you don't know when the next one's coming. So you need to take advantage of everything as it comes your way. The way that I want to relate to this is heck, this podcast, this specific podcast, I had no plans, Dale, to make this podcast. This podcast came out of left field. I am not a public speaker. You know, I mean, you are a public speaker. I am not a public speaker. 
I have not done public speaking. I'm a business development person through and through, a salesperson, a business development person through and through. Now an entrepreneur, because I've been doing it for three years and I cut my teeth and I'm learning, but I'm still learning every day. But as I, as I started looking into equipment, because I knew this year I needed some new microphone equipment, I'm doing a lot more high-level meetings, I wanted to sound more professional, I wanted to be more professional, look more professional through my cameras and stuff. And as I started delving down this path of equipment, well, suddenly podcast equipment started popping up because high-level mics and stuff all run through mixers and stuff like that, right? And so next thing I realized was, holy cow, like, you know, by the time I buy all this mic setup, I'm pretty much going to have a podcast. And I love podcasts. Why don't I just try one? And that's exactly what happened. The opportunity came, I tried it. I you know, I mean, the business development podcast somehow just by some miraculous miracle was available as a, as a name. And I was like, Okay, well, I'd be silly now. Like this is an opportunity, I would be silly not to act on this. And that has been true. But it's you have to act on the opportunities as they present themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I talk with my students. It's funny. Like I was never a believer in in serendipity, right? Uh, like I'm, I'm a, I'm. Oh, that's too wishy washy for me. You know, I'm the son of a carpenter. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't. <laughs> this non practical stuff. Um, and then I saw it in action. Like I, I literally see it in my students, mm-hmm. uh, where I have like one student who's who's working on uh, uh, garments specifically for women, and she goes to an event and. Uh, somehow or another comes out of it with like five contacts and somebody who's exactly what she needs at that point in time. Yeah. And, and that, then, and she's on a flow, like everything's just cruising perfectly for her. Everything's clicking, click, 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 click. Everything's just going, totally going gonzo for her. Right. And it's, it's just serendipity. And uh, you know, the way I kind of explain it so that it sounds less wishy washy is that if you were going to go to, at a, say a conference where everybody in the room could help you or everybody in the room knows somebody and you were you actually took a different approach from your usual approach of sitting in the corner sipping on a, on a glass of water and instead started going you know talking to people learning about their business letting them know what it is that you need where you could use some help uh and just allowed people to help you yeah uh, you just everything just changes for you, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what, Dale, I'm not sure that there is a way to explain the serendipity. I, I'm you know what, like I, I things have lined up for me. Since I started this business since I started capital, you know, when things have lined up for me in my life a lot of the time, and I don't mean this to be like pretentious or anything. I've just been fortunate. I have truly yeah. been fortunate. I didn't come from a wealthy background. I, I'm self made, you know, and I'm self making myself every day, like most of us, most of us young entrepreneurs, we're doing the best we can. And we don't come from money. And, um, but the reality is, it's like, like you said, you know what, Dale, I'm just gonna give an example. Okay. I knew exactly what I was looking for when I was going to start hiring business development reps for capital. I knew what I wanted. I knew exactly what I wanted. And I wasn't quite sure how to get it. And I knew I was gonna have to root through a 1000 resumes to do it. I kid you not, Dale. Um, So Cole listens to this. I love Cole. He's my employee. And he's great. And uh, (laughs) I kid you not. Cole is the perfect employee. He's exactly what I was looking for in in a in a new business employee for capital business development. And I kid you not, Dale, he came to my door. He's the only one who came. He came to my door. The perfect employee. I knew exactly what I needed. I wrote it down. This is what I need. This employee came to my door. How do you explain serendipity like that? It's it's really <laughs> hard to explain sometimes. <laughs> you, you, you know, and 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 it. And it I mean, if, if for somebody who hasn't experienced it, I'm sure they're thinking we're out of our minds. Totally. Right um, but I, I'm but I'm with you there, man. I'm with you. Um, I 
stuff has just kind of flown, like flowed the way, like I, if I, my description, like I, I, um, uh, you know, I look at it like, you know, like you're, it's almost like you just like feel the universe and you, you travel the direction it's pushing you totally instead of pushing against it. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, uh so many things just kind of happen so well for you there. You know what? I genuinely think it's like, it's like, as a new entrepreneur, if you truly are doing something you're passionate about, if this is really your calling, and I think you know, like, I am no question, Dale, I'm in my calling. I was meant to be in business development, I was meant to start capital business development, and I was meant to do this podcast for whatever reason you want to call it, for whatever reason, I'm somewhat good at it. (laughs) And I just I never it was never planned. It just happened to be an opportunity that came my way that I didn't say no to, right? And um, I feel like as long as you are doing something that you're passionate about that comes to you, the universe lines things up. The universe is like, okay, you know what? You're doing what we want you to do. Here you go. Here's more opportunity. Keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing because you're doing something that's going to matter somewhere down the line, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. All those times where I was like, oh, I should, I should do this. I should do this. Uh, and then the, the times just weren't right, right? Like the universe totally. was trying to tell me it wasn't right to try to jump into something that, uh, you know, that, that I wasn't ready for or wasn't, wasn't my time yet. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway, there's so many examples we can go on about. Oh, there is, there is, you know what? And I think any entrepreneur listening to this, you know, especially if you're an experienced business owner, I guarantee you, you have a list of 15, 20 things that you're like, holy crap, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe the universe lined up for me in that way. And those opportunities present because they just seem to, if, if you start something, it's like the, the world or the universe, whatever you want to call it, God, lines things up for you to just say, you know what, here you go. You want to do this? Here's your opportunity. But it's up to you to take advantage of those opportunities. And I hope that one of the messages you get from this today is that when you when you recognize the opportunity, instead of passing it by, don't let it pass you by, take advantage. Yeah. And, and do what Kelly says, do what Kelly did. Literally write it down, write what you're looking for, describe it to yourself, think about it. Uh, and, and yeah, those those things will start to kind of creep into your world. Uh, and it's going to be your job to to grab them and and hop on the right the white the right water slide that'll take you where you need to go. Yeah, get on the water slide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dale. I want to take us. You know, we talked about business development. We talked about sales. Uh, you are also an entrepreneur. Tell us about your entrepreneurial journey, Dale. Oh, it's it's a, it's a little embarrassing, Kelly. I'll be honest with you. I uh, uh, I I had lost my job. I was working for a company, and it was March 2020, and I was the outside guy. I used to do presentations, and we all know what happens in, in at the end of March 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I found myself in a absolutely tragic job market. Uh, well, maybe I should go way back at the beginning here because sure. my very first job was actually uh, working for a company called Old Dutch Potato Chips, mm. and uh, I was We're distributing familiar. old, yeah, old <laughs> Dutch spit sunflower seeds and cheesies, Hawkins cheesies. And yeah, if you're not Canadian, you don't know what a delight those are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, I ended up getting a job at at uh, Old Dutch, uh, working as uh, relief basically uh, my job was to ride around with the drivers and do holiday relief because they were all contract drivers anyway uh, i did that for a little while an opportunity opened up and i ended up taking a route so that was actually my first entrepreneurship journey nice. was being the chip guy uh and I, I had a territory and i used to go and uh, deliver take orders do uh upsell on promotions and stock the shelves uh and so yeah i did that for actually about six years 
Wow. Um, and it was, a, you know, it was a decent little job. Uh, I ended up getting myself in trouble from an accounting perspective. Oh. Uh, and so um, this was just pure naivete. Um, but you know how when you get a paycheck, when you're working for somebody and they take off the taxes? Yes. Well, yeah, I, it did not clue into me that, that <laughs> I needed to set aside that money for taxes Fair. Uh, when yeah. I was starting a new business. And so um, within the first year, I owed like 10 grand to the government and I did not have that. Like a, the, oh, the no. chip gig was not paying me that well that I had, was able to set aside 10 grand. And uh, yeah, uh, from there, it was just me sticking with it, trying to dig myself out of the hole that I had developed. Uh, and if if nobody here listening has ever uh, owed money to the CRA, the Canadian Revenue Agency, our tax tax company here in Canada, uh, do not owe them money. They are awful to owe money to. They charge like a monthly interest. I think they were charging like five percent every month on my stuff. And wow. yeah, within a few years, I uh, I had managed to amass about a hundred thousand dollars in 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 tax re- debt, Holy just trying to cow. dig myself out of all that. And so finally, I just kind of hit that point where I was like, you know what, I need, you know, like this, this has to stop. This is just insane. Um, you know, like my debit card is getting shut off. My credit cards were getting canceled. You know, I'm oh, trying to man. fill up my gas tank without, without either of those. And um, yeah, anyway, so, uh, you know, I'm sitting at home, just, just numb, like just staring at the wall, like, you know, like, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that kind of adversity? And um, so yeah, I, I just kind of reached the point where I was like, you know what, I'm dying in this chip business. And so I ended up getting out of it and, uh, and yeah, selling the truck and, and getting myself a real job and, uh, working my way out of it. So definitely entrepreneurship, uh, has its pluses and its minuses. Uh, that was one of my minuses for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so anyway, but back to the story I kind of started, which was March, 2020. And I was looking at this job market. And it was awful, right? Everybody's getting laid off everywhere. And so the one thing that I had done was I was doing, I had done a bunch of presentations. I, you know, I was doing some consulting work for a company called Business Link. And so I, I, you know, had some skills. I knew my stuff. I knew how to work with entrepreneurs. And so my, my big idea, and I I use quotation marks for that, uh, was that I was going to build some presentations. And the only reason that I set up a company was I wanted to lock in a name so that I could, um, so I could use the name in my presentations so that I could deliver those presentations and get paid for them. Yeah. Now that's not how presentations work. Uh, (laughs) Just so you guys know, you can't just build a deck and go and start hit people up for payments so that you can deliver them. Most of those are actually free. Like you deliver them for free, but when you deliver them, you're, you, you sell something at the end. Sure. So you provide a lot of free value. So Kelly, for example, could build up sales presentation for an hour. He could go deliver it to the chambers of commerce around Alberta. Uh, and at the end, his closing slide would be all about hiring him to uh, to go and do sales calls, right? So I see. that's how it would work, right? Okay. And so whatever it is I'm looking to sell, maybe I'm, I built a course, I want to sell that. Maybe I built a, a so I'm selling my book, you know, something, something along those lines. But but the, you deliver the presentation for free until you reach a certain level where you've simply got so much demand that now people are willing to pay you to do some of the larger events. So that's how you get into public speaking, if anyone's curious as to how that works. Anyway, I did not know. I, I, I was all backwards about the whole thing. Um, so I anyway, I, I set it up and then I did this crazy thing and I announced it on LinkedIn. 
that I had gone into business for myself. Uh, and oh, you know, here's a here's a kooky logo my wife had made uh, of a caricature of me uh, with a with a fist. And I called myself One Punch Consulting. And uh, anyway, that, that's I, I how love my your business, business card, got by the way. <laughs> <laughs> It, it uh, certainly speaks to me, yeah, to a, to an aspect of, yeah. of my business, doesn't it? Yeah, it's you literally might, a caricature. You might be a bit of a nerd, but I am too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And so, so yeah, so that that was that was how I got my business going. Was under yeah. this terrible pre, uh, pretense, and literally one of my buddies who is a consultant called me up and set me straight. Not too long after that, but but after I put posted on LinkedIn. Um, People who were familiar with my work uh, started reaching out, and and that's how I kind of got going. Was was literally just like a few folks who said, "Hey, Dale, uh, you know, you're looking for something. We got this contract, and we're looking for somebody to execute it. Um, you know, and and can we meet and see if we can do this work together?" And so uh, I'll never forget that the Leduc Chamber of Commerce uh, reached out. They extended a hand, and they were my first client. Uh, and I built a, uh, a job connector website for them, uh, all on uh, all the ways to uh, the, the, their uh, staff, could, or not, not their staff, sorry, that their businesses that, that were part of the chamber could hire people, some of the grants associated with that, and how if you're looking for a job, you could you could apply for one. And it turned out to be this job connector website wow. uh, that gave me work for a couple of months and, and got my feet under. So shout out to Leduc Chamber, fantastic organization. Absolutely. Shout out to Chambers all around the world. Chambers of Commerce are great. And um, I literally just did a, my last my last interview episode. The one before you, Dale, is with Ken G of the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. And uh, nice. they have been so helpful. And, you know, I mean, you were kind of you were touching on networking events and stuff and like, for for the local Edmonton area, the Edmonton Chamber puts on this just absolutely massive networking event called Coffee with the Chamber. And I, I, I was at the last one. I've been so busy. I haven't been able to attend any of them. But I finally was able to attend one. I think it was two weeks ago. And there was like 300 people there, Dale. It was unbelievable how many people show up to that. So yeah, just shout out to Chambers around the world. You guys are amazing. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Yeah, they they run some great events, honestly, and and I think a lot of them are free usually. Yeah, uh, I remember going to a bunch of them, and uh, you know, great folks. Everybody look in the chat. Uh, highly recommended for sure, yeah, especially if, if you're if you're in B two B and, and oh, your yeah. market's pretty broad. Yeah, out there, go go make go go show your face. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to touch on that. You said you designed and built a website for Lydia. Was that your background? How did you get into that? No, no, no. I, I actually didn't know anything about website development. Wow. At okay. All. Okay. Uh, I, I should correct myself. I, I provided the content for the website. I see. Okay. Is how it went. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up. Uh, what did I end up doing with that? I, I kind of researched the, how it would lay out. Uh, I wrote like several posts for it. I talk to 20 different companies within the region who might be support organizations and they provide and got them to provide their content for the site. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I did a fair amount of work. It was only a couple months worth of work. Um, you know, wasn't a crazy, crazy assignment, but yeah, well, uh, Hey, was, we all need our first assignment. Um, I was thankful enough that when I started capital business development, that, um, the boss that I'd been working for, for like almost a decade was like, Hey, you know what? You're going to need that first client. Anyway, we want you to stay for another six, eight months. Come on. And he just offered me a contract right off the bat. So shout out to Selva Nadar for just being an amazing man and giving me that opportunity. And yeah, the rest is history, but we all need our first client. And sometimes it's just that pat on the back that we need. So 
I'll tell you what, I don't know an entrepreneur yet who isn't incredibly thankful for their very first client. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure, for sure. And I find it's amazing too how many times it's it's your network that totally. provides that, right? And gets you a start. And then suddenly you're you're you have a an expertise that you can focus on, right? Like so suddenly uh, all my contacts at chambers and economic development groups started making a lot of sense and, and started opening the doors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Dale, tell me a little bit about some of the tactics that you used. I mean, obviously, you've been in business development and sales a long time. When you were trying to market your company, what what were some of the tactics that you found were incredibly effective for you? Uh, honestly, for me, it was just uh, it was just that network. Uh, I ended up uh, having a lot of coffee dinners, you know, coffees and dinners, and reaching out to folks um, right out of the gate. I think I mass spammed everybody with uh, <laughs> with a big email uh, and, and just yeah. just let them know that I was I was open for business. Uh, and then you know, uh, posting progress on, on social helped. But I mean, all of this is terrible advice if you don't have that that network to begin with, and that you're not connected with people who are who are that decision maker, right? Sure. Um, so I, I feel like this is cheating a little bit, Kelly. I'm not, well, I'm sure no, it's, it's not cheating <laughs> because no, because what you're what you're delivering right now is what you need, right? The reality mm-hmm. is, I tell all of our listeners, you have a hundred LinkedIn invites you can send every week you need to be sending them because they don't carry over. They don't roll over into the next week, right? So the reality is if you're a new entrepreneur, you need to be building your social network. The social network I always recommend, especially if you're in B2B or anything that's business to business related, you want to be on LinkedIn. You want to be active on LinkedIn. You want to have a good profile on LinkedIn. Remember, it's your it's your personal skyscraper is what I like to say, Dale. I like to say that LinkedIn is your personal skyscraper in the 21st century. It's It's you. It's when people are trying to figure out who you are, they're looking on your LinkedIn. And so you need to make sure that your profile picture is good, that all of your content is up to date and high quality, that you're listing out your qualifications, your experience, because you need to build yourself up like we're building skyscrapers in the 80s. Absolutely. And, and there's such there's such techniques. Like if we're going to talk social media, right? You want to be engaged with your audience. You want to follow every single company you want to do business with. Uh, you want to focus... Uh, Anybody who's active within those companies, uh, who who can who are making announcements, those kinds of things. Yeah. Any associations, any groups. Uh, I mean, that's what I tell my my students to, to you know go out there, find the companies you want to work for, find the find the folks in those groups who are actually posting the jobs, uh, and and they're doing it before they get to you know to the to the classified section to use an antiquated term, uh, <laughs> you know before before yeah. they post those jobs out there. Yeah, no, totally. And and keep in mind too the way that LinkedIn works, right? So, you know, I mean, like Dale's saying, you want to connect with people within that organization. And the way that LinkedIn works is is if that person you connect to then is connected to someplace, somebody higher level in that organization, you can then reach out to them too. So the secret is to consistently be utilizing those 100 LinkedIn reach outs that you can send out on a weekly basis so that you're expanding your network and therefore expanding the reach of the next steps in the ladder, the next people in the ladder you can then reach out to. And next thing you know, you'll be able to connect to the CEOs. You'll be able to connect to people all over, like influential people, people that can help you and your business. And so the secret to social networking is you need to be active. Like Dale says, you need to participate. You need to comment on things. You need to add people. And if you are consistently doing that, you're going to build this great network, which when at some point, you you might not even recognize how it will help you. But like Dale said, you know, he started his business, made a quick post. Next thing you know, people on his network were saying, hey, Dale, we have an opportunity for you. Well, and I think it's a little more, uh, well, I mean, 
amazing advice, of course, Kelly, but I, I think a, a lot of it almost had an earlier origins because I really feel like I was out there before getting these connections um, because I was able to offer something of value to the folks in my network, right? So, so the reason I have so many chamber and ec dev folks is because I was out there in their communities, delivering presentations, helping their clients yes. start businesses or helping their businesses uh, be successful and grow. And so, um, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's great. You can reach out, you can ask for things, but, but if you're not providing value, uh, then, then, you know, you're, you're, there's, you're not going to be a great contact for them. True, true. You're right. I totally missed that part. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Um, Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, I mean, especially if you are a newer entrepreneur, you need to be able to kind of showcase why you would be a benefit to these people or uh, what I like to do, I like to just call it like a brief LinkedIn, I call it my digital introductions. And I just I always send just a brief introduction of myself. Hi, I'm Kelly Kennedy. I'm the owner of Capital Business Development. We do this, this and this. I also operate the Business Development Podcast. You can listen to it here. And if you love it, let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Just be a human is the way that I like to say it, Dale. I like to say be a human in a, in a world of AI and robots, be a human. And I advocated yeah. on this show, right? Because I feel like we're, we live in a world of passive marketing, right? Where everyone's like, oh, I don't want I don't want to pick up a phone. I don't want to make a phone call. I don't want to have a human to human interaction. But we are craving that we are we are social creatures, humans are social creatures. And I don't care how much AI, how much, how much robotics or whatever you want to throw into it, or how much you hope that you could just throw out all these digital ads, you still need to make a human connection to, to do well in business. And Absolutely. so it's like, if, if that's what you have to do, you have to start practicing it. And, you, and there are ways to be a human, even though we are utilizing digital mediums. Absolutely. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Kelly. And it's really uh, about making that human connection. And so a couple of things that I, that I do just for tips uh, if anybody's looking to try to add value to any of those connections, uh, is connecting people. So that's going to be just a natural for you guys. If you see somebody working on something that's of interest to somebody else, make those connections. Um, and then one of the aces in the hole that I happen to have is I work. Uh, I just happen to be a grant expert. So I, I just picked it up at one of my jobs. I know just whatever grant there is out there for small businesses. And so if if I see somebody looking to hire. I can send them a half dozen different grants. I, if somebody's looking to innovate or develop something new, there's a bunch of grants for that. And so, uh, I'm, you know, I'm able to dig into my my database and 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 send some resources to folks. Uh, and it's usually usually met positively. Let's touch on that for a second because I haven't touched on anything grant related. I know very little about them. Um, I've tried. I've done everything without grants. Like how did how do you even find out what kind of grants are available to my new entrepreneurs or people who are looking to hire kind of taking that steps? Where do they even find that information, Dale? Do they hire yeah. an expert like you? Um, no, no. I, I uh, in fact, there's there's free services. Uh, a company I work for, Business Link. Uh, if you want to call them up, they they should be able to direct you towards some. Um, but let's let's maybe let's just set the stage in terms. We'll save save everybody a whole lot of work. Um, so grants are are typically for specific industries and a lot of the times they're for more advanced industries so okay. if you're just starting up a business in i don't know like a retail store uh, are there grants available for you eh, probably not unless you're looking at hiring hiring staff then there might be something available for you um but if you are maybe an existing company in agriculture you know suddenly the doors open up. There's going to be some specific grants in agriculture for you. Um, and so 
broadly speaking, if you're looking for a grant to start a business like Kelly, if, for, if you, for example, are looking for a grant, uh, unless you're looking to hire somebody who, um, you know, has traditional barriers to employment, uh, you know, for example, somebody who's autistic or, okay. or somebody from certain cultural groups who usually don't get the same opportunities, uh, then there, there probably isn't much for you outside of uh, employment grants. Um, if you're developing something uh, that's more technological, well, then there are definitely some early stage technological grants that you can access, but you do need to have developed your, your product or your business idea quite a bit. And so what that, what that means, I'm, I'm going into a totally new world for everybody here, but, but what that usually means is that you, you have to have uh, conducted a bunch of customer interviews uh, in the right way. You have to um, have done a bunch of research on your business idea. You have to have developed a minimum viable product for it uh, that can be done in a cheap way. Uh, and I don't want people spending a lot of money to do this. And then at that stage, you can you can usually get some sort of funding. Um, and I would highly recommend that folks get involved in some sort of a uh, formal program if you're in Alberta. Alberta Catalyzer is a great option. Edmonton Unlimited has some great programs to help you develop a more technological idea and get you to a point where you might be able to access grants to, to help develop that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's such like an it, no, I don't want to say an uncharted territory, but it like to most entrepreneurs it's it might as well be a whole nother language. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's it's just kind of funny. I just kind of fell into this early stage entrepreneurship stuff. Got a took a bunch of training on it and it's yeah you're right like it's yeah I, I could go on and on about it I don't want to bore everybody no no that's okay. <laughs> that's okay I think you've already provided like I think I guarantee you there's people who are like okay I think after this this podcast I need to go google if there's some potential uh some potential opportunities for me because I don't you know I mean we don't even know to look for them we don't even yeah. we have no idea what to look for in grants or anything like that so uh, if you got one easy of- answer so I'll give you the, the short version. Alberta Innovates has a bunch of grants. They'll be mostly technological, but they're for earlier stage businesses. Uh, if you go to the federal government, usually something like Prairies Can or um, uh, anyway, federal government grants should be Googleable enough for you to, to be able to pull up their resource center. And that's going to be more for later stage businesses. Okay. If you're involved in importing, exporting, agriculture, tech, um, you know, a few other categories like that, then there, there might be something available for you. Um, or, you know, go vi- visit my friends at uh, Business Link, uh, just send them an email or give them a phone call, and they should be able to send you a list of grants. And if you can't get them, there's usually uh, funding. So something closer to a bank loan for specific folks in the ecosystem, um, depending on your situation. Oh, that's awesome, Dale. Thank you so much. Um, I want to take us now. We're we're gonna we're gonna take another step forward because when I first met you, you were relatively new at the Maji Center. I think you'd been there about six months when me and you first went for lunch the first time. And I remember finding that so absolutely interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about the story about how you ended up in the Maji Center and what that experience has been like for you? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So so at the time I was working on uh one punch consulting, taking a few odd jobs here and there. And then one of my contacts, and uh, I just briefly want to mention this because I think it's really, really important. When, you, when you're just getting your feet on the ground, the folks that you think will help you aren't usually the folks who end up helping you. Sometimes it's that, that person off in the sidelines who you have like a, 
a passing relationship to. And they end up stepping forward and make all the difference in the world. So so cast your net wide when, when you are you know looking for help, looking for support. Anyway, well, that was this person. So so my my good friend Cecile uh, Wentland is uh, runs the Maji Center, and uh, she reached out and she said, "Dale, uh, you should apply for this." And she sent me this job posting, and this thing was ridiculous. Like they, it was scrambled. It was a mess. Uh, they were looking for um, oh, I forget what they called it now, uh, some sort of post secondary supports, and they wanted somebody with a master's in bi- in business and yeah. <laughs> experience with machine learning and. Um, you know, 20 years. Anyway, it was just, it was an obscene ad. I'm, I, I looked at this thing and I'm like, Cecile, this isn't me at all. Like I'm, you know, like, uh, you know, I've got five years of consulting experience and a, yeah. and a diploma from Nate. I mean, I'm not, I'm not qualified at all for this. She's like, no, 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 Dale, just apply, just apply. And, and I did. And it turns out that this job posting was what happens when you ask four different post-secondaries mm-hmm. what they want in a consultant and each one of them has their own prerogatives in terms of what they're looking for. And they just combine everything into one super candidate yeah. uh, that they were, they were looking for. And unsurprisingly, nobody had applied for this thing because nobody's qualified <laughs> for it. And, uh, and, and anyway, the job was looking specifically for consultants to work 20 hours a week with post-secondaries uh, at various post-secondary schools. And so anyway, I applied – I uh, got the interview and all the post-secondaries were in the room and everybody's shooting questions at me virtually because it was still COVID. And uh, yeah, and so I'm answering questions and, and talking about my, you know, my successes in consulting and working for Business Link, et cetera. And uh, I ended up getting three job offers out of it. So, um, you know, uh, was it Nate wanted me, Norquest wanted me. And then they wanted me to uh, to administer the program is what, what I'd learned later. And so I ended up cherry picking uh, and decided to go with Nate and Norquest. Uh, that, that was my my thing. I was I'm like, can I take two? Because it's 20 hours a week. Yeah. And my consulting business wasn't super busy. And I'm like, I, I would I will 100% take two of these if, if, if they can. And they, they hummed and hawed and said, yeah, why not? I don't see why we can't. Yeah. And so I ended up getting two contracts for oh, wow. 40 hours a week. And um, uh, honestly, like fantastic. Pay. You must have been ecstatic. It was a great That's amazing. It. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So, okay. So run me through like right now, just, just for those of you who aren't aware the Maji center is Nate's like entrepreneurial center. Nate is the Northern Alberta Institute of technology. So they're a very, very big, is it a university college? Uh, technically a polytechnic. Polytechnic. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're the, the Northern Alberta MIT. Yeah. Like <laughs> right. anyone who thing. lives in, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, or frankly, anywhere in Alberta or probably Canada as a whole has a pretty good idea who Nate is. It's a big deal. They're a big place. They, they are essentially training the future of, of most things from trades to business to you name it. They are, they are a big deal. So this was no small opportunity for Dale. This was a huge opportunity. And now he gets to, he gets to work in the Maji Center. And can you just explain to the world what the Maji Center is, Dale? Yeah, absolutely. So little center with, it, with an unusual name. It's, it's actually named after the guy who, who donated uh, money to get, the fun, to get it going. So uh, Ashif Maji, uh, this is in the news, so I can say it, uh, donated a million dollars to support, uh, to get the fun, uh, center running for 10 years. And uh, um, anyway, so yeah, so uh, 
Uh, and so that's why it gets the the funny name, which still has some communication issues within <laughs> within Nate itself in terms of what Amaji is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great place. Uh, literally, uh, when I joined the organization, Maji Center ran a ton of business events. In fact, if anybody's listening, you're welcome to attend any of our many sessions on starting a business uh, virtually. And uh, yeah, it's uh, tons of those. And then uh, Cecile didn't have a ton of experience actually helping people start businesses when I, when I came on board and she was a sole employee. And so what she would do is anytime somebody would come in, she had uh, uh, created a list of experts. And so she would connect those students specifically to experts, uh, which, you know, honestly was fairly brilliant for, for, you know, for somebody who doesn't have the technical expertise to say, okay, you, you need someone in social media. Let me connect you to this person. You need yeah. an account. Let me connect you to that person. And it worked really well. And I came on board and, and then that was all my experience was, was sales marketing. And then, you know, at that point, about five, six years of uh, consulting experience. And so I ended up taking over all the student meetings. Uh, and then we said, you know what? I'm losing students. Like I'm meeting with students and then they're running off and uh, you know, I, it's hard to chase them. It's hard to follow up. And so I said, what we really need to do is build a, a, a structural program. Uh, I should give credit to my boss. It was his idea. Uh, we were trying to take advantage of an international uh, program. The Alberta government was putting out at the time where we, uh, they would uh, create a pathway for international students for citizenship. And so we built this program, uh, around really i thought it was going to be something like oh marketing financing you know checking all the basic boxes yeah and then right around that time big fan of continuous learning uh, i ended up teaching my uh going and taking some training in in basically technology tech starting tech companies and it completely changed the approach of the the project because tech has a very deliberate way of, of validating a business idea before you spend the money to launch it um uh, lean startup would, is is the process it's called. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it for our students because students don't have any money to start businesses. Sure. And so if we can instead have somebody take a, you know, $30,000 gamble on a business idea that they have, instead we can work through a, a deliberate process where they're not spending any money and they can, they can, uh, you know, develop and, and validate that idea before, before taking it forward. And, and I just totally took it, adapted it for non-tech. Yeah. And so I actually have technical and non-technical students working through, through the program. Okay, so that's amazing. And I want to stay on this just for a second with you because I have a ton of entrepreneurs on the fence listening to this podcast, Dale. They, they have a great idea or they have a great skill. They're afraid to take that leap because they're thinking, well, shit, what if I invest you know all my money into this and it totally bombs? You know, first off, I'm just going to say that rarely happens. If you truly, truly have a passion for what you're doing and you and you think it through, you're probably not going to fail like that. I'm just going to like, I know that that's a fear in all of our heads. I think we blow it up and make it this monster when the reality is it's not as big of a monster as you think, first off. But second off, Dale, how can somebody test their idea before they necessarily quit their job and start their new entrepreneurship career? How, what are some ways people can test an idea uh, cost effectively? Sure, absolutely. So one of the first things that, that I get students to do is actually talk to customers. And um, what everybody is, is listening, is thinking now is, uh, I need to go up to customers and say, would you buy this? And that won't work. That, that won't work because customers, uh, potential customers, 
where will lie to you they're 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 or they they uh, dramatically misunderstand their own future intentions so this is something that they've tested in entrepreneurship we know uh think five years ago kelly uh if I had asked you if you uh, would own a car within five, an electric car within five years, five years ago, you probably would have been like, oh, yeah, 100%. I'm going to own an electric car. Sure. Do you own an electric car? No. <laughs> so, and, and that's, you know, that's common. Like people think, oh, yeah, you know, with the best of intentions, you would have said, oh, yeah, for sure I would have owned an electric car. Um, so it turns out that we are all really bad judges of our own future behavior. So the sure. last thing I want anyone to do is go out and say, would you buy this? Because it won't work. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So instead, what, we, what I get the students to do is find somebody who is uh, – so it's very problem-focused. So if, if you're launching a business, you're solving a problem for somebody. Hopefully, it's a big, painful problem for them that they're willing to spend a lot of money to fix. And if you can identify that, that problem, then you can then go and find somebody who solved that problem. Maybe it was the ideal solution. Maybe it wasn't. But understand their process to how they went about solving it. You know, did they start Googling? When did they realize this was going to be a problem? Why was it a problem for them? And really understanding who your potential customer is. So that's that's step one. I apologize. I, I go on too long. about. No, this. no, it's good. It makes sense. <laughs> Keep going. And so... Um, what I would probably do at this point is, is formulate some sort of a test, all right? And so if somebody is, is interested in um, – so I'll just throw out a book out, Testing Business Ideas, David Bland, Alex Osterwal, literally a, a giant book full of tests that you can do to test your business idea. Um, what, so instead of saying, hey, would you buy this and somebody says something nice, what if instead you tried to sell it to them? Right, so you had them pre-order what you what before you've even built the product, you've pre-ordered it. You can do this online as well. You can set up a, a website cheaply, uh, and and run some ads for fifty bucks worth of ads, and have people come to your website and see if they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. Right, so so uh, lots of different ways to kind of test it before you launch it. If you're building something technological, you can actually use a website like Figma, F I G M A. And, and you can build a, a skeleton of your app, for example. So you've got a million-dollar app idea. Build the skeleton of your app and then actually get people to work through it and, and, and try out the progress. So that, that would be qualified as actually a minimum viable product is having people see it and, and give you feedback on that idea, which is totally different from if somebody would actually buy it. So anyway, I, I don't... I'm kind of blurting out a few of them here. Um, but yeah, don't never ask if, if anybody would do it. Instead, mm -hmm. see through their actions, how they interact with things and whether or not they would pay for something. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the challenge that we can get into with this specific thing is that <laughs> we're always looking for reasons not to do it, right, Dale? Like yeah. the reality is a lot of us entrepreneurs, we are we are intentionally sabotaging ourselves. We are. We are. Because there's a fear, right? It's one thing to test an idea. It's one thing to have somebody say, yeah, this is great. You should do it. But then to take that step, to take that next step and actually create a product, actually create a service, create a model for your business. I think that we can sometimes put as many barriers in front of us as possible to make sure that, frankly, that step is incredibly hard to take. How do you motivate your students? You know, let's say that they've done all this analysis and, you know, they keep coming to you and saying, like, I think we need to test more. I think we need to test more. And you're like, nah, I think it's time to just move forward. 
how do you motivate them to take the next step and actually do it? Because I think that is the challenge for most entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, a couple of different ways I could go with this, but um, we'll just say um, it, it may shock you, Kelly. Like uh, I, when I bring the students into my program and by the end, I have a 50% dropout rate. Wow. Right. That and, is and that's, shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the catch. Uh, I pay them. I actually, we've got a funder and they, we give them a thousand dollars for completing the program. Uh, but I still lose 50% of the students throughout the entire process. And after, after that initial shock, because I was also a little surprised by yeah, those numbers. No kidding. Um, and it duplicated the next year. Uh, and so after seeing that, I was like, you know, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe not everybody has that internal drive. Maybe it's just not time yet. Maybe they're not that that professional development point sure. where, it's, where, where, where they can move forward with it. Um, there's no obligation to actually starting a business by taking my, my, my business program for, for Nate students. There's, you know, like I have not put them into a situation where I'm like, Oh, you, you know, like, you know, now you have to do it right. You know, and not ever, and even more students would, would drop out if that was the case. Yeah. I really just want to teach them the skills to kind of get it there, uh, and then get it out there. Now, um, I'm just thinking like for your, for your, for your folks out there listening, uh, in the universe, uh, what stage, um, if you're, if you're, if you're reading that, um, business ideas book by David Bland, uh, there's a section in there called an assumption map. So it basically is an exercise that I absolutely love where you outline the key things that need to be true about your business idea for it to be successful. Okay. And you, the idea is that you run a test on each one of those. So if there's four things that need to be true, maybe, uh, you need to prove that, uh, the that people actually want the product, right? So that would be one test. Maybe you need to prove that you uh, can find the technical expertise to develop it. You have to prove that one, right? And so you'll individually identify the each of these these things that need to be true, and then you'll conduct a test on them. Uh, and so I, I really think that that the reason that people delayed taking that big leap is that it's it's a big leap. It's that big giant step that they it's really scary. have to stretch. It's terrifying, uh-huh. right? And so if you've done all the work, like if you've gone through a process and you've worked through all the series of steps, um, eventually you'll get to the point where that step is so small, it would it would be silly for you not to take the step because you've already done all the other work to make the step smaller. My metaphor is getting mixed here, but <laughs> you know it what I mean? Sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Make, make, make the leap as make the leap a little bunny hop instead of a cliff jump. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, like if you, if you're scared to drive a car, uh, you know, but somebody talks you into sitting in the car, changing, you know, changing all the mirrors yeah. so that it works well, takes you to a parking lot and says, I'll tell you what, drive it 10 feet. You know, you're going to be more likely to, to <laughs> want to drive after that. Yeah, man. You, I, I totally hear you. Yeah, like you know what that that relates so much to me, um, Dale. Because like the podcast, I told you I had no plan on starting the podcast, but frankly, by the time I'd done the research, figured out what I needed, it was like a new, new, new what the opportunity was in front of me with regards to like the availability of the domain name, the availability of the name of the podcast, the cost of the equipment. I would have been like, it literally got to a point where it's like, okay, Kelly, you're silly not to do this. You would be silly to say no and not give it a try. And yeah. um, I feel like because starting a podcast was very much like starting a new business. It, it really was. I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of 
took a leap and and I'm loving it, by the way. So to anyone listening, I, I do love doing this. I know I, it can seem sometimes a little bit jumbled and stuff. And I think a lot because I'm just not a podcaster. I'm a regular everyday business development guy <laughs> doing my best, but I get better at it daily. And I love doing the podcast. I couldn't imagine not doing this now, Dale. It's that much fun. I have that much fun doing this. And we're going to touch on this briefly with you because I know you are a podcaster too. So we're going to get mm. to that. But you do you get to a point if you do enough planning, if you prepare, if you have a great idea, and you can kind of see it through in your head, you will get to a point where taking that leap, you'll be like, Okay, I have to like, you just get to a point where you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly, can I tell you the worst business advice? And and, uh, and this one's gonna hurt a lot of folks listening. Absolutely. The, the worst business advice is just do it. I, I, you know, I, that's probably like, I, I actually asked the question, any advice for new entrepreneurs on my podcast and 50% of the time, just go out there and do it, man. Just do it. You know, <laughs> take that leap. And I hate that advice. And the reason I hate it is it's entitled. It's, it's like, yes, that makes sense. If you've got, you know, a million bucks in the bank and, you know, like if you use, if you lose 20 K on this, no big deal. Yeah. Then, then suddenly that, that giant step is is not so insurmountable but when you've got nothing like when you you know when a hundred bucks is make or break for mm-hmm. you uh for, for every year that is awful advice because you're risking a lot a lot and and so that's why i'm like you know what like there, there's ways where you can take the risk off of things uh temper your risk when you when you're doing these types of entrepreneurship activities and then when you're more advanced, when you then you can be like, oh yeah, I'll just take a twenty thousand dollar gamble on this, and it won't affect you, it won't affect your life in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's just so that's the difference. There's such a huge difference between people who have made it and not made it, uh, and it's always the advice from people who've made it who are who are throwing out that advice. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay, I want to touch on that. Because you know what, we live in a time, frankly, inflation is through the bloody roof, at least in Alberta, I can't speak to the United States, because I don't know what it's like for you guys. But I imagine you guys are probably in the same boat. But if you live in Canada right now, inflation, I don't know what we're at, we got to be at 10 12%. It's it's absolutely nuts. The cost of the cost of groceries is pretty much doubled. You know, I have a family of five. I guarantee you our grocery cost has gone, it's doubled. There's no question it's doubled. It's just, it's astronomical. And not, and not just groceries, but like everything, the cost of vehicles, the cost of living, the cost of borrowing money, it's all up. So more than ever, you need to be cost conscious. You need to be cost conscious. And I'm an advocate that you don't necessarily need a lot of money to start a business, especially if your business is a service-based business. You can really test that idea for not that much money. And, and I, you know, I mean, people always tell you, well, you got to have so much money. You got to have all this money to start a business. And that's just not true. Can you speak to that, Dale, a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's always, always a way to, to test it, right? You can almost always drill things down. Um, if you want to, I don't know, like start a manufacturing facility in, in, you know, in Edmonton and cost you $20 million, maybe just maybe you outsource, uh, a particular product that you're looking to build and sell it from there. Even before then you could always, you know, create a mock-up, uh, and, and show it to people and get feedback off of it. Um, there's been so many folks who, uh, students are, are notorious for wanting to open up a retail space. And retail is 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 is, is such a tough, it's, tough, it's a tough market to get into. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. It is not field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Is not true in, in in retail businesses. So you do need a strategy and a plan. But before you do that, why don't you run your business out of your house, mm-hmm. right? 
and you offer those services before you take on all those different expenses of, of, a, of a, you know, commercial space that you have to sign a contract for, for five years, um, you know, build up that audience. Uh, and, and, and I get it. Like, it's such an ego thing. People are like, Oh, I need an office. That's how people will know I'm successful. Uh, and I'm like, well, what if instead you worked out of your house, but you made twice as much money? Wouldn't that be a better sign of success than, than having that retail space? Uh, so yeah, so there, there's, there's smaller versions of businesses that you can do. You don't have to make it yourself. You can get someone else to make it. You can buy it in smaller quantities. You can even do, th- there's things like on-demand services. I could start a t-shirt business where I never touch a t-shirt. There's companies out there that'll print those t-shirts for me. I don't even need to know, do the designing. I can use AI to design the shirts now. Sure. Right. And, and, you know, just, and all I have to do is, is concentrate on selling and marketing. So, so there's, there's small things that you can do, smaller businesses than what your dreams are that'll get you to your large business ideas, and large dreams. Absolutely. And you know what I mean? Like some of the biggest businesses started out of a garage, right? Like, you know, we're local to Edmonton, Canada wide, Greg distributors, right? Greg distributors started out of a garage in Edmonton people. It is now one of the biggest parts warehouses in the, in the country. Yeah. But Uh, I got another one, Raptor mining. So a lot of folks might not know them. They basically build the big, uh, like the, the, uh, if you ever see any construction equipment, they build like the, I don't know. How do you even describe it? the claws? The oh, like you know, the, the machines? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're international. They literally started in a garage where they were reselling products that they got from from another country. Wow. Right, that's how they started. Now they're in multinational con- uh, country. Inter- it was shipped, you know, with manufacturing. I mean, it's yeah. There, there's millions of those examples. Absolutely. It's it's organic growth, right? It's growing smart. It's growing smart. You know, like the reality is most of us don't have enough money to start this gigantic manufacturing building, you know, you're just not going to you're not. And, and even if you did, maybe I maybe that's a horrible idea in the first place, even if you could, even if you had all the money, you could build this gigantic manufacturing center. There's no guarantee that you haven't even tested your idea yet. You haven't even tested the idea. Why build this gigantic manufacturing center, right? Like, Start in your garage, start in your house, start with something small and see what happens and see if you even like it first off, right? Like it's like whatever you start, you got to like it because you're going to be in it a while. So I think Dale, you're on point, man. You got to start small, start small, test it out, see what you think and then go from there. But if you start small, you fail small too. You fail, you fail quick and you fail small, which are all great things. Absolutely. You know, and this is, it's different advice for folks who are experienced at it, but you know, remember my very first business, right? We're where a little blip of the accounting ended up, you know, bank, basically bankrupting me. I didn't, I didn't get that far, but you know, and uh, you know, that, that was very much a small business you can get started and and learn the ropes on. There's nothing wrong with it. uh, And if things are going well, expand it rapidly. Uh, You you know, you could still be a world leader with a small business that you grow for sure. Absolutely. Dale, if you could give like, you know, I mean, I'm sure you see this over and over and over again with your students. If you could only give them one piece of advice, what advice would that be into starting their businesses? The one that would be the same for all of them. What would that Uh, advice be? um, uh, Test it. Uh, I mean, you've heard it. I feel like I should come up with something different, but that's the (laughs) advice, right? It's like good advice. Test it, right? Um, I I mean, I want to say something like get a mentor, but, but it's, that's hard. I, um, finding somebody, you know, experienced in your field, who's willing to give up some of their time, you can definitely reach out to folks. 
Um, believe it or not, like contrary to what TV and movies teach us, uh, entrepreneurs are honestly some of the nicest, most giving people, totally. especially the more successful folks. Totally. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of the times you can just reach out and say, and ask for some specific help. If you call oh, them man. up and say, I want you to be my mentor. They'll say no. But if you call <laughs> them up and say, Hey, uh, I noticed that you, you know, you did this already. And yeah. this is something I'm struggling with. Do you have any advice for a young entrepreneur? Um, people are, are, are amazing. Just amazing. You know what? And a mentor is anybody who helps you too. Like keep that in mind, right? Like you don't have to come up to somebody and be like, Hey dude, will you mentor me? When you are talking to an experienced entrepreneur, like I've been so fortunate, Dale, to have had so many great lunches with so many great entrepreneurs at this point in my life, you know, whether that be with with capital business development or with my previous business or with this podcast, I get to meet people such as yourselves, which are just a wealth of knowledge. And frankly, I consider you all mentors. I really do because I learn something from every single one of these conversations. And I want my listeners to keep that in mind too. Mentors are anybody with a wealth of knowledge that can help you. It's that little piece of advice you take you take from each and every one of them that builds into this gigantic ball, uh, wall of advice or or wealth of knowledge that you can pull from and and not make those same mistakes, you know? Like it's not just the guy that you ask to be your mentor. It's literally everybody with good business advice that helps you and and shares with you along the way. Absolutely. And and advice I, I, sh- I should we should put a little caveat in on this. Um even if you've met the most successful guy in the world, it doesn't mean that they're giving you the right advice for your business at this point in time too. True. So everything with a grain of salt, hundred percent, even me, I tell the students, I'm like, look, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. You're going to want to go your own way. Um, but there's definitely going to be a lot of meh advice out there <laughs> that, yeah. uh, that you don't, may not want to listen to, but also you might want to listen to. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, I mean, I think to the for the most part, people do they they listen to everything with a critical ear, I think for the most part, right? Because we're always like, okay, does that apply to me? Or that does that? But I think in general, most of the time, even on like, even on an overarching idea, it does apply in one way or another to at least an aspect of your business, right? If somebody tells you, yeah, I did all this stuff. And this really didn't work for me. Think about it. Okay, yeah, maybe this isn't the exact scenario that I'm in right now. But could I be in a similar scenario? Or is there a similar way to apply this advice? Because I think most of the time, Dale, there is there is a similar, there's a way to apply the advice to your specific business where you're like, yeah, I think maybe if I did that, that wouldn't work. That is good advice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I, I'm sorry, and it's, it's sticking in my craw a little bit, because I've, I've, I have every year, I have some students who come to me, and they're like, hey, Dale, I was talking to so and so, and they're a successful entrepreneur, I know. Uh, and they tell me I need to incorporate my business. And I'm like, well, you're selling t shirts online. <laughs> I said, how much money did you make? Uh, and they're like, oh, about $1,000. I'm like, okay, first, that's good. Second of all, um, if you incorporate, you're looking at $2,500 to $3,500 in accounting fees alone, even if you made $0 in a sure. year. Yeah. I said, and if you set up a corporation, that would destroy your business. I said, meanwhile, you have a t-shirt business that has little, little no liability, nobody's suing you for anything. Um, and, and, you know, it's just an additive. So why don't you stick with being a sole proprietor? Uh, that'll, you know, cost you $200 a year in, in accounting fees rather than you know, a, a much significantly higher number, right? Keep your, sure. you know, and if they had listened to that advice and normally they would, if they didn't have somebody like me around, uh, and they, they would be out of business within a year. 
right? So yeah. there's definitely a lot of crappy ideas out there. And sorry, yeah. this one's hit, hitting close to home recently for me. So I'm fired up about it. Well, <laughs> a little bit of advice to that too is like you're totally on point because the reality is if you start a sole proprietorship, there's nothing that says you can't down the line if you start to get incredibly successful, incorporate your business, right? It's just yeah. it's knowing where to start. And like you said, most people, they're an expert in whatever their service or product is. They're not an expert in business and they're learning that journey along the way. And I being one of them, I'm going to say that right now, you know, like I thankfully got to work in a business and got to sit in a lot of meetings and start to understand how a business operates right out of right out of my college experience, which was really great because I got to learn a lot on someone else's dime. But most people do not have that opportunity. So, you know, I mean, like, if yeah, just the simple choice of like, do I incorporate or do I have a sole proprietorship or what do I do? That can be an incredibly hard decision for someone who's never had any experience in it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. Business is one of those things where everybody thinks they know something about it. Um, just like marketing, just like sales, uh, everybody has an opinion because they've seen it, they've experienced it, but they don't yeah. necessarily know it, right? Totally, totally. Well, hey, I want to thank you so much, Dale, first off, for coming on and, and talking business with us and, and bringing your knowledge, your wealth of knowledge after teaching so many students at the Maji Center. Just thank you so much for doing that, for inspiring a new generation of entrepreneurs. I'm I am in awe of you. I think that that's such an amazing thing. I do hope with the podcast to do the same thing. I hope that what I'm doing with this is I'm inspiring a new generation of business development people, of salespeople and entrepreneurs to, to just do better, to just do better and have more success and, and hopefully put together some plans and some advice that allows them to be more successful than I was or that you were. And I think over time, we're going to do that. And especially with, with advice like this. Something else I wanted to touch on, because frankly, you are the first person. You are the very first person on this podcast who is also a podcaster. So, <laughs> so thank you. And th I wanted to just pick your brain. Um, with podcasting, what has your experience been? I know you kind of got thrown into it as well. Uh, you came in, what was it? Is it episode 35 of, uh, of, of your podcast, Let's Do Coffee? Yeah, yeah, I think I think around there. Honestly, I, uh, I I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. It was the Bean Gill uh, interview. I'm I'm almost 100. Uh, percent It's episode 35. I did a little bit okay. of digging before this, but and, and interestingly, Bean actually has a CBC show right now, so so that one's totally out of date. But it, it was a real pleasure to interview her. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so crazy. What has your experience been as a podcaster? What's like, I, and, and I, the reason I want to do this, because we have people listening, I guarantee you, Dale, we have people listening. And I, they've reached out to me and they said, Hey, Kelly, like, I see what you're doing with this. I see that you come from a business development background. You're not a podcaster. You're not you're not in this like media world. How the heck do you do this? And I, you know what, like, I don't really know how to answer them, because I just did some googling and tried my best and figured it out. And I think it's really great to have uh, some words from another person who's in a very similar boat, which I know you are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, oof. Uh, let's go real talk. Hey, eh, Kelly, why not? Let's, do, let's keep this one real. Let's do it. Um, honestly, it's, um, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for, for, for us. Um, so, so just for folks listening, uh, let's do coffee is interviews with, uh, Edmonton, uh, or Nate alumni. So specifically folks who have been successful, uh, after their careers at Nate, uh, and we mix in a few student entrepreneurs as well. Um, and so honestly, like the, the best reason uh, for, for us to continue doing it is because it, it gives us a connection to the community. Uh, it puts me in a room where, where successful people are forced to talk to me for about an hour. Uh, and then we edit it down to about 35 minutes. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> removing all my nonsense, of course. And, uh, and so it gives me an opportunity to really kind of 
form connections with those folks because those folks are really important to to our student population, right? Just in totally. terms of the folks who, you know, if I'm looking for a mentor and an advisor and stuff like that. Um, just in terms of viewers, I, I mean, it certainly sounds like you've actually been more successful than than me, and I think surpassing my numbers. And we might have to talk about this off offline. Yeah, totally. Uh, but basically, it, it ebbs and flows depending on how popular the guest is. Uh, and so, you know, it uh, you know, uh, I, I find that these the these interview segments are are uh, you know a little bit uh, hit and miss depending on how popular the person we're interviewing is and, sure. and how much they help to self promote it as well. Not a lot of folks actually stick around week to week to listen to it. Uh, which is always a bit of a shame and, and maybe, frankly, a, a product market fit uh, issue on, on our end. Um, but, you know, we, we, get, we definitely get some great folks uh, on that I get to talk to and, and a consistent audience, uh, even if it's not, you know, a runaway train or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it has to be a runaway train. I really don't. Um, I think I think it's great. By the way, I've listened to I think four or five episodes of Let's Do Coffee, and I really enjoy it. So if you guys enjoy this podcast, I'm just going to give a shout out. You will you will enjoy Let's Do Coffee because it's very much entrepreneurial in interviews, just like we're talking here. Just with Dale's audience, it happens to be more on the Nate alumni people that actually went to Nate. However, no less valuable. These are all people that were experienced in business that have went on to start successful businesses and, and bring their wealth of knowledge. So just if you enjoy this podcast, you will enjoy Let's Do Coffee. And I'm just going to give a shout out to Dale. Dale, go check him out. Let's Do Coffee. Um, but with Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate what, I, what I want to talk about, Dale, though, with Let's Do Coffee is your background is not in podcasting, just like mine wasn't in podcasting. What was it like with your first episode, what was it like getting on there and talking to, you know, whether that be someone you had to interview or just talking about your own experience? What has your experience been like as a podcaster, as a businessman turned into a podcaster? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a crazy, and, and, and this more speaks to my prior experience. Cause I, I, I did mention, I worked for a company called business link and they used to do webinars Okay, and uh, and so as an employee there, and as as one of the few extroverted ones, uh, I have I was not shy about hosting our experts, right? So I do an intro, and then you know let the speakers uh, talk. Occasionally, I, I very rarely would I actually interview, so that one's fairly fairly new. A lot of the times, I'd, I'd introduce folks and then just let them deliver their presentation in that environment. So it wasn't wasn't. It, I'll, maybe I'll go back to when I first started doing that. It was a little intimidating. Uh, I had a lot more buttons to push then because it was a more formal setup. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, uh, I can I can move the mouse around. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so my, my biggest concern too was continuity because I was, I'm not the ho first host of Let's Sure. Talk, yes. Right. And and the first host was actually a pro. Like, I don't know if you went back and listened I did. to her stuff, but she she's literally a professional instructor. Uh, yeah. teaches at the radio and television and then just decided, you know what, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm done doing this. And then I took over and my clumsy delivery and my ums and ahs <laughs> were, were painful to listen to. Like uh, I, it, it, hurts, it hurts my soul. <laughs> yeah. You get it. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, anyway, yeah, I, uh, it, it took a little doing, uh, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist too. And so I, I've tried to do a better job in my delivery and tried to clean it up. Uh, and then, then we, our, one of our bigger challenges is actually we, we outsource the editing okay. to a student and, uh, and, and, but we lose students all the time. Like we've probably gone through five editors sure. uh, in my time delivering this. Uh, and then there's a, there's a quality difference. 
So sometimes you'll you'll get a podcast <laughs> where it's like uh, where I'm like, oh, did did they just lose audio there and then come back in and you know we kept it in? I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> there's a yeah. couple of those where I'm like, oh yeah, and then we get somebody awesome like like we've got right now and. It makes me sound like such a professional. So, <laughs> yeah, it really does. Like, you know, that was something that for me, I do all my own, I do all my own production. So I do my editing and all that. And I had zero experience. I mean, zero, like I knew nothing. And um, hopefully it doesn't show. <laughs> but, but I definitely do my own, my own editing and stuff. And yeah, like it, it was a learning curve. But I think if you listen to, you know, episode one of the business development podcast, and you listen to this episode, you're going to see a huge increase in not only the production value, but like the quality of the content, the quality of the interview, everything is getting better day over day. So my advice to you, if you were on the fence right now, you want to start some type of video production, you want to do YouTube videos, you want to do a podcast, just go for it, guys. Just go for it. I had no experience. I went for it. It's been great. I'm loving it. Thank God you guys are loving it. I get reviews all the time that say I'm doing great. So I appreciate each and every one of you. I got one yesterday that melted my heart. It was so nice, Dale. Some people are just so kind. And you know, literally, they came on and said, Kelly, you are an inspiration. And I'm like, no, man, I'm just a regular dude doing my best. Everybody is just an inspiration because they're doing their best. That's the truth, right? We're all on here just doing the best we can trying to bring value to the world. And but I guess my point is, is that you all have that ability. Every single person listening to the show has the ability to bring value to the world. And I want you to and I encourage you to and if you are afraid to do this, just do it. Just try it. And I think you're going to find that yeah, maybe episode one ain't so great. But by the time you're at episode 22, you know, we're coming on this is episode 24. By the time you're on episode 24, you're gonna you're gonna be in a cadence, you're gonna be in a flow. And I think you're going to find that you're doing considerably better than you thought you would. And, and, and that, that's amazing. And Kelly, it, it totally contradicts my message of don't just do it. Um, <laughs> I had to so, so, so let me let me throw in the Dale angle on it, folks. If you do it on Zoom with a $200 microphone. Uh, and you put it out into the world and you get feedback on it. Uh, you can try to find the right market fit for what people are looking for, refine your messaging. And later on, when you're going to stick with it and build up traction, you can upgrade to the nice gear uh, and get totally. things going. Yes, but just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, totally, totally. Like, it does not have to be expensive for you to get a really great podcast setup. I just want to throw that out there. You can build yourself a pretty amazing setup for about 600 bucks. And I know that might sound like a lot to some of you. But to the, to most of you, I think that's probably in the in the reality of reasonable, you can build yourself a nice podcast setup for about 600 bucks. And you can sound just like me and Dale sound right now. You can do that. Guaranteed, you can do that. And remember, the value to a podcast is you. It's you. Don't compare yourself to other shows. Don't compare yourself to other numbers. It's just you. Compare yourself to you. As long as your numbers are growing week over week, as long as you're getting feedback that you're doing a great job or, or, or these are some things that people love about your show, you are doing great. Don't try not to compare yourself to the world. Compare yourself to you. And, and don't worry about what other people are doing because nobody can do it the way that you can do it. Absolutely. Be be your own worst critic. Keep improving. I'll add that too. But yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Dale. Everything Kelly said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. And and just just so you know, Dale, I want to give you some feedback. Your show is great. You're doing an absolutely great job. So however you feel about it, I want you to know that Let's Do Coffee is awesome. 
And uh, I wish that I was a Nate alumni so I could be on your show. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I, wish, I wish I could have you on the show as well. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the barriers? But that's okay. Um, and, and honestly, too, it's funny. Like, uh, I, I don't know if the average listener would, would pick up on the difference between show one and, and uh, our, our recent show. But, uh, you know, to me, there's, there's been a ton of micro changes on the back end to totally. make what I feel is a smoother podcast and... Ugh, maybe, maybe, maybe a better host. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're doing great. You're absolutely doing great. And, and you're doing it, right? Like the key to any podcast, guys, the only reason I'm being successful at this show is because I do it week over week. And you know what? I'll be honest. And you know, you may or may not be able to tell. I'm feeling a little bit sick today. I'm struggling a little bit with a cold, but I'm still here because I see the value in this. And I wanted to talk to Dale more than anything. And so I'm here and I'm doing it, even though I'm struggling a little bit with this cold consistency is the secret to success in anything. I don't care if it's entrepreneurship. I don't care if it's in your job, your day to day. And I don't care if it's in your podcast, or your video production. Showing up is the most important thing you can do. And the more you show up, the better you're going to get, and the more likely you are going to be successful at what you do. And the only reason this podcast has been successful is that I haven't missed a day. And I'm, I'm priding myself in that. And I'm trying to make sure I don't. And I have a pretty hectic delivery schedule. I'm doing two shows a week. And that's a crazy schedule. I know it doesn't sound like a crazy schedule. But when you work a full time, I work full time in my in my every day to day business, my capital business development, I, I manage an employee. And I do this podcast and it can feel like an, a monster sometimes, but I'm trying to do it on a weekly basis. And I think that that is the secret that is the secret to success is even when you're feeling like you don't want to do it. Those are the days you need to do it the most. Absolutely. All right, Dale. Well, that uh, that concludes our interview. Um, do you have any questions for me before we close off the show? Oh, wait. I, and I noticed that you asked this question and, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I had something prepared for you. Uh, but now I'm totally blanking on it. No. Uh, okay. I, I have two questions. Number one, why did you decide on a twice a week delivery for the podcast? Oh, okay. Because my favorite podcasts are twice a week. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Because, because frankly, I looked at it and um, I'm uh, okay. So, just so you guys know, I'm going to shout out to my favorite podcasts. My favorite podcasts, I have two, and they're entertainment. They have nothing to do with business. Um, I listen to The Box of Oddities. So, Kat and Jethro are absolutely amazing. They, they kill it. And um, I also love a podcast called Scared to Death with Dan and Liz. And they're great. They're really great too. And, uh, they they have a twice a week posting schedule. And I just thought about it. And I'm like, I always look forward to those those podcasts. And I would I would lose it if they were only one a week. So I wanted to have two. Um, I thought two would didn't sound so bad when I started. Let me tell you now it's it's tough. It's a tough posting schedule. But I think too, I also looked at it as if I did it under this schedule, I could have kind of two different segments. And that's what I do with this show. I don't know if you've noticed Dale, but I, I tend to have a interview on Sunday and a business development advice slash entrepreneurial advice just from myself on Wednesdays. And I like that cadence. I like to be able to have like a one-on-one -on -one with my audience, but then I also like to have an interview process such as this one. Nice, nice. Okay, got time for another one? Absolutely. Okay, I, I'm, this is one I wanted to ask you way back in the, in the beginning of our interview. Um, we talked about retail sales. Uh, okay. What were some of the techniques that you remember seeing to close sales in, in retail? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> the assumptive close was taken a lot. 
a lot. So I remember watching some of those pros, some of those absolute pro TV salespeople, and they would yeah. come up and they'd be like, they'd be like, they just, they'd essentially, they'd, they'd, they'd talk this TV up and be like, yeah, we got one in the back. Should I go grab it for you? I remember that being a very common assumptive close. And people would just be like, yeah, go grab Like, I don't even think he gave them time to think about it. Like it was done so smoothly and so effectively. Like you, you guys, I know this sounds crazy because you know what? Like nobody likes a salesperson. Like not, not like that. And I, I'm sorry, like I, I'm on this board. I struggle. I don't really like pushy salespeople in a TV store or at a car's car lot. Those aren't my people. That is not my type of sales. I don't, I don't like that. Don't, if you're listening to this and you're from that, I love you. Best of luck to you. I'm not, I'm not hating on you for your career choice. I'm just saying like, that's a very hard type of sale. It's tough to build a relationship with somebody in 15 minutes and then sell them something that's they're going to pay for for the next eight years of their life, right? <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tough job and hats off to all of you. I've done it. I know exactly what what you're going through. Um, but it's not my choice. It's not the type of sales I would like to do. But the assumptive close was taken a lot and to great effect. So if you are in that business, I do find that most of the people I found that were successful would literally say, yeah, we got one in the back. Do you want me to go grab it for you? And that's it. Like people just be like, yep, go grab it. And then it's done. Yeah. The sale's over. And um, but yeah, assumptive close was definitely the one that I saw the most. How about you? Um, I, I, uh, I had a couple of favorites that were used by the high performers. One of them was uh, the scarcity close. Um, look, I just had a look at inventory. We've only got one of this couch. The next ones are coming in uh, four to six weeks. Um, so if you want this one now, we better put a down payment on. Yeah. Right. Something along those lines. And everyone had like some, some different techniques around that. But even though there were 40 of them in the back, oh, yeah. uh, there was only one left, uh, was a classic. I, I was wondering if the, if you saw that in, in, in Oh yeah, of course, of <laughs> course, of course. And I, I think, oh, I struggle with, you know what? I am going to touch on this Dale before we close the show today. <laughs> I don't like that kind of sales. I don't, there's oh, a no, reason I I, went I had a hard time doing it. Like I, I, I you have to kind of have a hook a handle when you're doing retail sales. And I tried to do like a variation of it. Yes. Um, mine wasn't as strong, but mine was something along the lines of, you know, this one's really popular. We've got a hot sale on right now. And I, you know, I really encourage you guys to buy this now. I don't want you guys to miss out this opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so not directly lying, but still, still putting some sort of uh, scarcity pressure on folks for the close. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I understand it. Okay. And I, I want you guys to understand this from two angles. Okay. Um, I, I understand this as a salesperson. And I understand this as a customer as a customer, we want to just buy whatever we want to buy, right? We want to we've probably already done like we live in the days of the internet. When I did this, this was kind of like, yeah, sure, the internet existed. But, you know, back in 2007, people I don't think were relying on it as much. To, for reviews and such before they go and make their choice, right? Like they were relying a little more on a salesperson to come in and say, Hey, yeah, this is the new product. This is why you would want this new product. And then hopefully let them make their decision as to whether that's what they wanted or not, as opposed to push them into a sale. However, you got to remember from the standpoint of your guy in the store, okay, the guy that you're going to that store for, he is mostly making commissions, his day to day salary is not that much, he is making money off of what he sells. So his incentive is to sell you. It is as, as shitty as that sounds or as hard as that might be for you to understand the guy in the store, his incentive is to sell you something. Um, it's how he makes his, his living. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Some people make their living in a tough way and that's the way it is. Um, but you have to understand it from both angles that it, it is best as a consumer, especially if you're buying retail stuff to have a good idea of what you want before you go into that, sh go into that store, have a good knowledge 
because the person in that store, whether you like it or not, his incentive, he's got a family, he's got mouths to feed at home. And he's, he's, it's in his best interest that you leave that store with something that he sold you. Kelly, I'm, I'm with all due respect, I'm going to completely disagree with you. Okay. Uh, and I, and I, 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 this, your perception is my perception before I got into the retail sales environment. Um, but what I saw was that when you push somebody into a sale, you're helping them make a decision. Okay. Otherwise, they might be struggling to do it. Sure. Uh, and this is I, 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 on the surface, I 100% agree with you. But what actually panned out, right? And this is just totally contrary to what we might think, is what actually panned out is not only were people grateful that that salesman talked them into into buying something and helped them make that decision, they came back to that salesperson over and over and over again. Yeah. And so uh, I and, and I, I I totally know where you're coming from, but I'm just saying this is what I've witnessed over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. It's it's two different views that are similar, but that have their difference. Yeah. For sure. I um. Yeah. I struggle with it, Dale. I struggle with it now because I I love relationships. I really do. I'm a relationship yeah. advocate in every way, and I think the best the best business I've ever done is with people that I truly loved to spend time with, you know, like, you know, if I look at if I look at the accounts I managed with Engrity over the years, some of those people are some of the best people I've ever had the pleasure to work with and know and frankly, spend time with. And they also happen to be my customers. It just, it was the relationship was came first. And then once we had that relationship established and established it over years of, of trust and good service, that, you know, like, that to me is the best way to do business. But obviously, I'm, I'm understanding that, in a retail environment, it's such a different environment. It's very hard to build those relationships. But all I'm saying is that I would never want to do that again. I guess that's what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bottom a, line, I wouldn't type. want to either. <laughs> yeah, there's a better type. There's a better world. And now that I'm in business development, it's 100% relationship based. I just, God, I couldn't imagine doing anything else anymore, Dale. Like I, I'm truly doing the thing I love to do. I hear you, brother. I hear you. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. This has been Dale Schaub. He is, uh, it's the Nate Maji Center. You were the lead entrepreneurial consultant. He is the, the head guy of the Nate Maji Center, just inspiring new minds and bringing these students up to rap and, and, and essentially creating the future of entrepreneurs. And it has been an absolute pleasure, Dale, to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. And um, Dale, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, best way, probably LinkedIn, uh, Dale Schaub, S-C-H-A-U-B. Um, feel free to add, follow, whatever you want to do. Uh, that's where I do most of my work uh, and, and post about uh, most of my stuff. You're more than welcome to reach out to me. Send me an email, dschaub at nate.ca is my email address. Happy to help anybody. That's my philosophy. Uh, happy to help you out if you're working on something, can connect you with some other resources. Um, but yeah, my main focus is students. So, you know, one and done, happy to help out in that way. Awesome. Awesome. Um, if, uh, if there's any people in business listening that they, they would want some potentially paid consulting advice, is that something that you would look at anymore? Or are you too busy to do that right now? Not really doing that at okay. this point in time. Uh, yeah. Uh, one punch consulting still lives, but, uh, I suspect I'll want to pivot it into, uh, some sort of a, uh, business that kind of runs on the side. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I'm still trying to figure that out at this point in time. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out. There's a lot of great consultants I know I'm happy to connect you with. Awesome. And if you love this show, if the Business Development Podcast is doing it for you, 
go check out Let's Do Coffee. I think you will find it, even though it's a little bit more geared towards the Nate alumni or, or to younger, younger entrepreneurs, that sort of thing. It is really, really good advice. And if you enjoyed this interview with Dale, he literally hosts a show where he gives this advice all the time. So Let's Do Coffee with Dale Schaub. It's, uh, I, think, I think it's hosted by the Maji Center. Is that correct? Yeah, if you type in Nate, let's do coffee, it'll yep. probably come up. Let's do coffee is a little bit of a common one. Okay, <laughs> okay. I don't know, because I'm pretty sure I searched let's do coffee on Spotify, and I'm pretty sure it was the first one. <laughs> okay, okay. So, sometimes there's a couple other folks out there with something similar. So yeah, awesome. yeah I find it hel- it's helpful with Nate. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been episode 24. And if you are enjoying the business development podcast, uh, what can you do to help us out? Well, hey, you can follow us, you can like, subscribe, tell a friend, Leave us a review. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can get me at podcast at capitalbd.ca. That's podcast at capitalbd.ca. Shoot me any business development questions, any entrepreneurial questions. Tell me that you love the show or you hate the show. I'd love to hear your advice. I always love reviews. So feel free to leave us any kind of reviews. And um, if you want a full back catalog of our shows, I think you can find most of them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that sort of thing. But you can also get us at the business development podcast or sorry, business development podcast.com or .ca. That's business development podcast.com or .ca. And you can get a back catalog of all of our shows or anything on there if you want to listen on the web. Thank you so much. This has been the business development podcast. And uh, until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. This has been the Business Development Podcast with Kelly Kennedy. Kelly has 15 years in sales and business development experience within the Alberta oil and gas industry and founded his own business development firm in 2020. His passion and his specialization is in customer relationship generation and business development. The show is brought to you by Capital Business Development, your business development specialists. For more, we invite you to the website at www.capitalbd.ca. See you next time on the Business Development Podcast. Business rock stars, we at the Business Development Podcast humbly invite you to be part of our journey. Despite our global reach spanning over 130 countries and our status as an award-winning show, we remain committed to delivering valuable insights and engaging content to our audience of decision makers. With two episodes released every single week and a back catalog of over 100 episodes, we strive to provide our listeners with the latest strategies and trends in business development and business growth. Why consider sponsoring us? Our listeners trust us to deliver authentic, informative content, making it an ideal platform for you to showcase your brand in a genuine and meaningful way. Choose from flexible sponsorship packages tailored to fit your advertising needs. With a back catalog of over 100 episodes and an average of eight new episodes released every single month, there are plenty of opportunities for you to connect with our audience. If you believe that your brand aligns with our humble mission, reach out to us at podcast at capital bd.ca. Let's start a conversation and explore how we can collaborate to elevate your brand together. Thank you for considering us. Send us an email at podcast at capital bd.ca and let's partner for the future.